Good afternoon, Porker Hendrik Croft. Welcome on VH Berries. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I am extremely grateful. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well today. I, uh, you know, it's a beautiful day in sunny LA. Got no complaints. How about you? How are you doing over there? I am doing very good because, by all means, many facets of your cinematic constellation are yet to be unveiled. And there is a piece of poker in all movies. But <laughs> when the storms comes, don't you answer life? Wow. Um, that's, that's quite a, that's quite a, a lot to process there. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm humbled by that declaration that you've just, uh, uh, announced to the world. I, I don't know if a piece of me is in every movie, but, uh, I certainly <laughs> like to feel like, uh, a lot of movies are part of me. That's for sure. I made Porker Croft a direct reference to the song lyrics opening the failing overnight feature film. Uh, and I would love to discuss about this specific title and the song opening that movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that piece of art is one that's very close to my heart. So I'd be thrilled to discuss that with you. Um, you're talking about the Sean Rust song that opens the film, is that correct? Absolutely. The yeah. song uh, that mentioned the storm, the rain, and the wind. Yes. Uh, yeah, Sean Rust was, uh, uh, was a dear friend of mine. Well, he's not gone. I, I just haven't talked to him in a long time. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that film is uh, one that I... Uh, I, I very much loved the process of and uh, and I'm really proud of actually and feel like it has um, informed informed my journey uh, tremendously. Since this very special experience, uh, Porker Croft, you couldn't uh, really get the indie film bug out of your system. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process um, linked with writing and playing the main character in that uh, specific feature film? Absolutely, sure. Um... Well, so that film came together uh, in a in a really uh, quick and somewhat uh, strange way. Um, so I met the director um, Conrad Jackson because he cast me in a uh, in in a pilot. I think almost a year before the film, um, and he. He did a show, I guess, a while back called, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like with Freddie Prince Jr. or something. Um, and he wanted to make another comedy show. And so we filmed this pilot together and that's how I met him. Um, and the pilot didn't end up going anywhere, but um, Conrad sort of called me up and was like, hey, you know, like I really vibed working with you and I'd love to 
make a film with you and I have this concept. Um, and I was like, you know, I was a young actor who just the idea of like making a feature film on your own was like almost alien to me. The idea that we could just like do this thing. Um, but I was, so, <laughs> yeah, but I was like so excited about it. I was like, sure. I had no idea what I was getting into, but I was like, sure, well, let's do it. Um, and, and so we brought a buddy of mine, Aaron Golden, who I'd met on a film I did years before um, called Were the World Mine. Um, and we'd like collaborated on some stuff before, but um, uh, yeah, the three of us, Conrad, me and um, Aaron wrote this film together and we had to write it like super fast because Conrad um, was like graduating from Loyola Marymount University and the like there was like some student discounts that we could get but like we could only get them while he was in college there um so we wrote this thing like as fast as we possibly could I think we wrote this thing in like I don't know maybe two and a half months or something which uh you know I don't really have a frame of reference but it's the fastest I've ever worked um and so we wrote it and then we raised like you know, a fraction of what a regular movie costs, but it was enough for us to get some, you know, cameras and some sound guys and, um, put this thing together. Uh, and it was this like utterly transformative experience for me where I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this is something I'm, I'm really proud of. I'm happy with the like process of it. Um, and, for me, it sort of opened this can of worms of like, uh, wow, you can kind of do stuff your own way um, if you, you know, give it a shot and you have some people that you can rely on. So, um, yeah, we did the, you know, we did this like the whole like festival circuit. It was my first time being at festival um, and we premiered it at uh, Cinequest for me who I'd never been to a festival before. It was like, it was like the coolest experience ever. I was like, Oh my God. And then we ended up winning the, I want to say the special jury prize. I don't remember exactly, but we ended up winning like a, an award there. And all of a sudden it was like, we were, we were, <laughs> couldn't believe that anyone responded to this movie. We were just like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. So, um, yeah, that, that definitely lit the indie bug fuse for me. I would say. Absolutely. Porker Croft, and if I understood correctly, the character of Elliot Corson oh, came to life very quickly because you had a very limited time um, to write the script and maybe that failing overnight, falling overnight is probably as easy as closing your eyes. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some clever wordplay you got going on there, my dude. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a that was a wonderful reference to the short film I just completed, um, which uh, sort of is the other uh, end of the two bookends, I guess. Um, yeah, it, that that um, we just wrapped on this thing. Uh, maybe like two weeks ago. So we're like right in uh, the meat of post-production on this short film that um, I'm 
very, very proud of and um, really excited to see it um, sort of blossoming into into its final form um, and excited to see where this film goes and um, as it's part of a, a greater you know, series of stories that it's attached to Late Radiance, which is a, a feature film that um, set in that similar world. Um, yeah, I'm very, very, very excited about those two titles. Absolutely. And Parker Hendrick Croft, this is a six word long short film title that we can simplify with those letters. A-E-A-C-Y-E. That's true. That's true. That's how we, uh, that's how production has been like abbreviating it. What was that? What would that be like? That's that ICs or something? I don't know. I don't know how you'd say that word. Sometimes those abbreviations turn into cool words. There's a f cool way to, it's like an acronym. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a fantastic, um, I don't know, sort of segue, I guess, into what this movie is about. Um, it's, it's the story of a, a grieving mother who um, becomes uh, addicted to a, a, a fictional drug that gives her lifelike dreams about the son she lost. So it's a sci-fi drama um, that covers some pretty heavy material, but um, I think it's, I think it's going to be, um, as beautiful as it is uh, difficult. It is beautiful and also somehow difficult, but in all the situation, Porker Croft, I feel that you are writing the script the same way you are uh, riding a paper horse. <laughs> another, another, Beautiful bit of wordplay you got there. Uh, yeah, pa paper horse pictures, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, a a fun, a little fun fact about the paper horse is that um, it's so uh, it's actually a company that um, me and my wife started, um, and instead of going on a honeymoon, we decided to put the, put the bread into starting this production company. And, um, we, uh, we've been, we've been riding that horse ever since. Um, but it's, a yeah, it's, it's a, it's an empowering thing feeling like you can, uh, I don't know, make the work you want to make. Um, and that's what paper horse kind of gave me. It gave you a lot uh, of inspiration and Porker Hendrick Croft, would you say that? investing everything in that uh, production company instead of, as you just mentioned, the honeymoon was the best decision in your life? One of them. I would say marrying my wife was up there too, though. She, uh, <laughs> she, she not a lot of people would uh, be down to make that leap with you. Um, so uh, I think those decisions go hand in hand. But yeah, it it, it is a it is a decision that I am so utterly grateful that um, I made and that I had a partner who could make it with me. Absolutely, Parker Croft. And to come back to As Easy As Closing Your Eyes, this short film 
is in the middle of post-production and is going to premiere at the beginning of next year, what is your main uh, priority right now? Because I feel that you are rewriting the story during the editing. Well, um, you know, I mean, yeah, in some ways editing definitely informs the story. You're going to see things that you want to, you know, cut back on. It's hard to add things in the editing process other than um, digital assets that are going to be sort of on top of things like VFX. But um, I would say, yeah, right right now my priority is um, I, I really want to finish the rough cut um, and uh, hopefully uh, get it get it in a place where we feel comfortable uh, submitting the rough cut um, for uh, Sundance. That's the, that's the hope. Um, and if, uh, if we don't make that deadline, we'll, we'll kick that can down the road and submit it to the next one when it's um, in a better place uh, or more ready, I guess. But um, yeah, I would say a lot of my focus is on, um, just get into picture lock so we can start, you know, working on VFX and sound design. And, um, I'm, I'm excited to start working with a composer on it. And, um, it's just a, it's a, it's a really rewarding process, the editing of it. Cause you actually get to see the movie. It's been sort of just playing in my head for so long. So it's, it's nice to be able to have it play on a screen, you know, <laughs> Absolutely, Porker Croft. And you just mentioned two very powerful words, which are sound editing or sound design. And I would love to discuss about your long time collaboration with Aaron Golden, not to confuse with Paul. No, you don't want to confuse those two. Um, <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, Aaron Aaron Golden um, has been um, a, a writing partner and a producing partner of mine um, for I don't know over a decade now. To be honest, I met him. Uh, I met him in Chicago on a film called "Were the World Mine," um, where. He was, uh, I think he, he, he auditioned in school and I auditioned in New York and, um, he went to school in Chicago. So, um, yeah, I, f I flew out there and, and did this, this film with him it was directed by Tom Gufsison. Um, and, you know, we just, we kicked it off. We, we knew there was, uh, some common ground there and then, he moved out to LA like a year later and we started like just making like shorts and stuff. Um, you know, just trying to figure out even how it was done in any way. Um, and then falling overnight was our first, um, you know, feature collaboration and it, it in sort of galvanized, um, some working patterns that, uh, have carried forwards with us. And, you know, I've written a handful of scripts with him and produced a handful of films with him. Um, and he is, uh, absolutely an integral 
part of uh, every film that he is a part of. He's a, he's a, I couldn't speak more highly of him. He's a fantastic artist and I'm, I'm lucky to have him as a collaborator. Aaron Golden is a fantastic artist and a great person to have in your team. And if I understood correctly, Aaron is adding a lot of depth through the uh, sound quality and the mixing with the music because he believes uh, in the invisible impact of audio in our lives, the way a great song can make our day, or how a sudden car horn can ruin, ruin it. It, it it is it is entirely true. He's uh, so he's um, he's also uh, a guy who works in sound. So he's uh, he did the sound, um, he did the the mix, and and also has boomed a number of uh, projects we've been working on together. But um, yeah, he he has although he's done some post production sound. He, I don't uh, I, I don't think he's going to be doing the. The, the post sound on this particular film. Um, I think we're going to, we're, we're still looking around for our, the perfect post sound I, um, person. Um, but uh, we might, we might go with the, the guys that um, we've worked with um, on falling overnight, actually. Um, Evan Menick from uh, Iceman Audio, who is a fantastic sound designer. Um but yeah, Aaron is uh, definitely uh, in integral into the into the capturing of the sound of this film, and um, he's very talented in that department as well. Aaron Golden is very talented in that specific department, and furthermore, Parker Hendrick Croft, I found that they are approximately. 75,000 horses in the state of Vermont. Really? <laughs> at the present time, only one paper horse that is trying to that catch <laughs> the sun like a sun catcher. Oh my God. Um, I love what you're doing here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, sun catcher. Uh, well, there's a lot we can uncover with that. That beautiful. It's almost like beat poetry. What's going on here? I love it. Um, so sun catcher. Yeah. Uh, that's the first short film we made with paper horse. Um, and it's starring, uh, Elisa Croft, um, who is, uh, does a magnificent job in the role of Kira. Um, and it's, uh, set to, um, the words of, uh, the guest house, uh, a poem by, um, Rumi, which is a poem that, um, has had a, a very deep impact on me in my life. Um, and, um, so we set, uh, a short film to those words and, um, explored, uh, the story of this, this woman who's living out of her car, um, who goes to work one day and returns to find that her car has been stolen. Um, and how she sort of navigates, um, the future there. Um, yeah, it was, 
you know, I would, I would almost say it's an experimental film, um, in that it, it, it does have this very like unstructured, um, sort of flow through the narrative. Um, and there's a lot of voiceover and stuff, but, um, yeah, I, I really loved making that film. Um, strangely enough, I actually have a funny story about making that movie. Um, so we were shooting this thing over a couple days and, you know, as I said, the, the movie's about this girl who gets her car stolen and, um, and we're shooting down in, I want to say Playa del Rey, I think is where we shot some of this stuff. Um, and so, you know, a lot, there's like, uh, there's a couple of morning scenes, like dawn scenes in it. So we had to like get there like really early, like, I don't know, four in the morning or something. And, um, and so we get there, we get all the, you know, stuff out of our cars and we go and we shoot on the pier and like, we didn't have permits or anything. We were just like, totally like just doing, <laughs> doing it as we could figure it out. Um, but when we got back, um, Aaron's car had literally been stolen and his car was gone for the rest of production. They discovered it at, like at an intersection in like, I don't even know, another city, I think, um, like a month later, a couple of weeks later or something. And they were like, yo, your car's in an intersection. Like you got to pick it up or it's going to be impounded. And he was like, oh my God. Um, so that was a little bit of life imitating a movie there. And it will always be a memory that I revisit when I think about that film. You will always remember that specific memory concerning that uh, stolen car, uh, Porker Croft. And as you just mentioned, uh, Suncatcher is very experimental. But I noticed that whether this is Suncatcher or, or Falling Overnight, you have a very specific tropism for coffee shops and bakery counters especially to make two characters meet each other this is true you might be the first person to uh in fact you are the first person to draw that uh <laughs> that that line um in my brain but yeah uh i don't know why that is i think coffee shops i don't know they're kind of like there's a, there's a charm to them. There's, you know, especially like cute little coffee shops. Um, but yeah, I don't know why that, that is an interesting observation you've made. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'll have to examine that further. <laughs> You're going to examine that further as well as examining the 75,000 horses in Vermont, but to come back to uh, the word voiceover, which represents a major part of Suncatcher. You were using uh, the poetry work of Jalal al-Din Rumi, a poet from the 13th century. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so um, my mom, I would say, is pretty responsible for my love of poetry. I've had a lifelong love of poetry. Um, and uh, I think 
Rumi is one of the poets that my my mom has um, read to me the most. Um, I find that uh, his work is, um, I don't know, sort of like, this isn't maybe the right way to describe it, but like palatably instructive. Like it's, you know, the poets that I really respond to, they're, they're, you know, exploring life's challenges um, and maybe not necessarily giving like answers. Well, there, there, it's, it's rare that I find answers that um, I feel are like that that feel super right to me in almost every situation. And um, Rumi is one of those. And um, there was a there was a translation, a recent translation that um, happened with Rumi that we got the rights to, um, and that's how we are we're allowed to. Um, I guess use it because you know he he was like sure I'd love I'd love for you to use this I can't remember the guy who did the translation which is like so lame because he deserves to be remembered um, but it's somewhere on the internet I'm sure it could be looked up but yeah Rumi has been a one of the one of the main poets that um, I've used as sort of a lighthouse in my um, in my, in my journey within, if you will. Absolutely, Porker Crofts. And the translator that you mentioned is called Coleman Borks. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Coleman. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So he gave us permission to use his translation. Um, and he was super cool about it. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for anyone that can, uh, you know, that's like cool about making movies. Um, it's always nice when someone's like, yeah, I just want to, you know, see this thing be part of it or something. Um, so it was awesome. It was a cool experience. In addition to that, Porker Hendrik Croft, you may not have found uh, the answers in Jalal's poetry, but you probably did during the recording of a music video. More specifically, a music video that is 248 seconds long. I am talking about Send Her to heaven by the all American rejects. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that was, that was an awesome time. That was an awesome time. Um, Tyson, Tyson Ritter, uh, is a buddy that I met on, uh, on this HBO show that, uh, that never saw the light of day, but we filmed for, I don't know, like four months or something. Um, and it was, it was actually like one of the craziest experiences I've, I've had as an actor, um, where, you know, it was like, it was kind of like my fantasy, like where, you know, they like take you up to Canada and like teach you how to like all these like survival skills and like, so it was Lewis and Clark was the name of the show. Um, and it was going to be, I think it was, it was starring Casey Affleck and, 
um, Matthias Schoenarts, and it was produced by like, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and all these like way cool, famous guys. Um, and I was like, just like jaw on the ground, so excited to like even be in the corner of the room. Um, and it, it, uh, it was this like crazy adventure that we were on where we were like learning how to do all this Lewis and Clark stuff together. Um, and we, we were up in all these different spots in Canada, but unfortunately, um, the, the show didn't get made, um, for a variety of reasons. Um, I, I still to this day don't know all of them, but, um, I think it would have made it such a cool show and I hope they make it one day because I, I think it's got such cool, um, such cool bones, but yeah. So I met Tyson on that thing and then we stayed friends. Um, and I, I was like, I didn't know, I, 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 I didn't know the all American rejects, which is crazy. Cause like a lot of people, it's a very famous band. Um, and I remember sitting on the bus with him and he was like, I was like, oh, like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a musician. I was, I remember being like, oh yeah, dude, like my buddy's a musician. It's such like a hard gig. Like, you know, <laughs> just sort of like, I had no idea that he was like a rock star. Um, and, and then I don't know, we just kind of clicked and, um, we kept hanging out. Um, and eventually he was like, Hey man, um, I got this music video coming up. Like, do you, I know you like doing music videos and stuff. Do you want to do this one? And I was like, dude, I would be like, so, so excited to do this uh, with you. Um, and again, it was one of those things where we like, we, we scrapped it together. We had like, um, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of bread for it, but um, we, you know, Tyson was like, you know, dancing in the streets without permits with a motorcycle helmet on. And like, it was just like, it was, it was a, a really, really fun experience. Um, and I was lucky that he, um, was down to play and, um, yeah, now he's, he keeps making amazing music videos and I think he's directing his own music videos now and, um, just ripping it. He's got a new band now. Um, he's a great dude. I was I was lucky to be part of that project. Absolutely, Porker Hendrik Croft and the video clip of that title, Send Her to Heaven, completely conveys the message of the song. And I would love to know uh, how you are uh, directing a video clip um, in comparison with directing, for example, a short film or a feature film because that video clips looks like a super production. Um, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's definitely different. Um, and that's something that, um, you know, takes some, there's some like growing about that. In fact, one of the first cuts of that, um, music video was, was way more narrative. There was like all these like kind of scenes and stuff that took place. Um, you know, there wasn't like dialogue, but, um, there was like scenes and stuff and it was much longer and much more narrative. And, um, 
you know, Tyson kind of had to explain to me, he was like, hey man, like, just so you know, like, <laughs> it's a music video. Uh, we got to kind of make it a music video more. And I was like, okay, cool. So we did some reshoots. Um, and all that, like, uh, there's like a lot of like sort of silhouetted, um, like red musicians are like playing the silhouette and stuff. Um, and we got kind of funky with it. And we were doing this thing called, I think it's called like flaring the lens or something where you basically like take the lens like completely off the camera. And I'm just like sort of like holding it, like uh, letting light leak in and like kind of pollute the image and it kind of warps the thing and all that way. So I really wanted to try and do as much cool stuff in camera as I, I possibly could actually <laughs> sort of, this is sort of a side note, but that house that we shot um, the video in is Aaron Golden's house. And I I remember being like, hey, Aaron, I'm going to like, I want to do this music video. And I have this like idea that like everything is like, they get to this house party and like everything is red. And he was like, okay. And I was like, so I'm going to need to paint your whole house red on the inside. And he was like, okay, I guess so. And for like a month, we had all these amazing friends come and help out. And we like painted the whole house and like stapled all these like Christmas lights all over the house. And like, it was, it was a very, uh, it was a very wild experience, uh, prepping that house for that, that experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, red was definitely the, uh, the color of the, of the house. <laughs> in fact, there's a scene in a bathtub where someone's in a bathtub and they're like, and, uh, Kaylee Spaney like takes some like punch. It's supposed to be punch in the bathtub. And I wanted the punch to be like, so red. I was like, I want this to be like the reddest punch ever. Um, and I kept like putting like dye in the water and I put so much dye in the water that the actress who was like in the punch actually got like her skin got dyed red. Um, and luckily she's a friend. And so she was like, so cool about it, but she was like dyed red for a little while, I guess. And I was like, Oh my God. So, um, yeah, learned about that lesson. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome, it was an awesome little time. And I'm, I was, I had a great time doing it. You had a great time doing it. Uh, Porker Croft and red was the color of the house of Aaron House. And this is the perfect illustration of that winning work triangle between Eliza, Aaron, and yourself, Porker, the P-E-A triangle. <laughs> well, I don't know if we've ever been called that before, but I dig it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. These are uh, the my, my, my collaborators that I've been working with are people that are um, so informative of the work that I do and um, have such an impact on um, my identity as you know, the things that I like as an artist and, um, you know, there, there are obviously areas in the Venn diagram that don't overlap, but there's so much that does that I, I almost, it's almost impossible to untangle, um, you know, where inspirations come from or where ideas come from, because, um, I'm, I'm fortunate to have so many, um, amazing 
people around me that um, I can uh, work with um, and, and draw upon. Absolutely, Parker Croft, and I would love to discuss about where everything where everything started in that state of Vermont. Can you tell us what is so special about this this place besides the thousands of thousands <laughs> of horses in the nature? Well. Yeah, the the horses are are definitely a, a key part. My mom has a couple of those for sure. Um, she, she's a she's an owner of I think three mini horses, which are like regular horses, but they're just so tiny. Um, but yeah, Vermont Vermont is uh, Vermont runs through my blood. Honestly, it is uh, it is a it is a place that I. I, I have to return to a couple times a year because um, it, it replenishes me in a way that um, I can't find anywhere else. Um, I, you know, I was raised there um, and the people there are incredible. The landscape there is incredible. It's for me, Vermont is the best place in the world. Um, and as much time as I can spend there, um, the better. Um It, it doesn't have the biggest film industry in the world, which is why I'm currently uh, also in Los Angeles, but um, it doesn't stop me from returning there uh, as frequently as I possibly can. It never stopped Parker Hendrick Croft to return to Vermont occasionally. <laughs> And at some point, as you just mentioned, Um, the film industry is not as um, at the same scale as in California or New York. This is maybe why you went on the, on the second floor of 65 Broadway Street. Um, wow, yeah. Uh, that, I can't believe you know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... Um, <laughs> Yeah. So basically when I, when I was a kid, um, I, I, I knew very little about, uh, the world. Um, Vermont is an incredible place. Um, but it's, it's unique in that, uh, you know, a lot of the hard lessons that you learn outside of the state of Vermont, you, you don't, I didn't learn inside of the state of Vermont. So like, I remember like, When I moved to New York um, at 18, I was like, I, I was sort of like, you know, this puppy dog just like going around being like, hey, how are you? How's your name? Like, I, I didn't have, I, I, I was, uh, I was innocent to a, to a debilitating degree. Um, uh, and, and it got me in some plenty of hijinks. Um, but, Um, yeah, when I, when I, I was so hungry when I moved to New York because I, I, I just wanted to learn absolutely everything I could about acting. Um, I, I remember before I moved there, I, I was, I got a scholarship to this school called Perry Mansfield, which is like a summer, it's kind of like a summer camp that, you know, there's some like acting teachers from like different schools and some dance teachers from Juilliard that like go there in the summer and they like teach, you know, aspiring artists or whatever, how to do it. Um, 
And so it was in Colorado and I, and I was just, I couldn't believe how cool like, uh, art education was. I was like, just blown away by it. And I was like, Hey, like, should I go to college or whatever? And this one guy was like, yeah, you could go to college or you could just go to New York and start learning at conservatories. And I was like, Oh yeah, like that's definitely what I want to do. Um, so I didn't go to college. I went to, I went to Stella Adler. I went to William Esper. I went to Hubert Berghoff. I went to the actors movement conservatory. I went to, I went to every conservatory that would have me. And some of those I went, many of those I went to at the same time. And for two and a half years, I just, I just soaked it all in as much as I could. Um, and, and I, I fell in love with New York. I loved New York so much. Um, I, even though I was like new there, I'd been there for like 15 minutes. I was like, I'm a New Yorker now. Like <laughs> we New Yorkers are like this now. And I like carried this whole like <laughs> New Yorker persona around with me. And then, and I, I remember like in New York, there's this whole like LA, like who cares about LA? LA's trash. Um, and, 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 then my girlfriend at the time got into this, uh, uh, my girlfriend and my best friend, um, we all got into this like sort of extension. It was like a conservatory extension that went to LA that was like acting in film for Adler or whatever. Um, and I, I couldn't end up going to it because I booked this movie that, um, were the world mine that was filming in Chicago where I met Aaron. Um, but, uh, when I went to LA, I went to LA to visit them. I like was there at the end of their trip or whatever. And then when I came back to New York, it was literally two weeks later, I had put all my stuff in my car and I was driving out to LA. I didn't have a place, didn't know anything. Um, I was driving out with my, one of my closest friends at the time and still a very good friend um, who actually helped make this as easy as closing your eyes possible. Um, he, he helped, uh, make that happen for us. But his name is Mark Allen. And we drove out to LA together and we were like, let's just figure this out. And we started like making shorts. We, we started this like funny little production company and we started making shorts and, um, just scrapping, just making stuff for YouTube or whatever. And, uh, we had a lot of fun together. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't even remember what your question was. I was just kind of like rambling on. <laughs> this is very inspiring, Porker Croft. And I was simply uh, mentioning uh, the 65 Broadway uh, street and floor number two, because this is the exact location oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and address of the Stella Adler yeah. Studio of Acting, uh, a school um, that you have uh, been uh, for uh, sometimes in New York City. That's right. I still I still remember the smell quite well. It has a very specific <laughs> acting studios have this like kind of just like New Yorky like old wood smell. It's like it's actually quite a good smell. Um, yeah, it's a great place. I recommend it. You're recommending uh, that place, and there are um, the Stella, Stella Adler uh, School of Acting, the William Esper Studio Inc. And also the Hebert Berghoff Studio. Yeah, that's that's right. Those were those were some of the ones. Those were some of the big ones um, that I 
I definitely learned a, a lot at. I, it's hard to say, it's hard to sort of like piece exactly what I learned where, because I mean, I know, I know what the different techniques are and stuff, but, um, I, I think by the time I was acting in LA, I was, um, I certainly wasn't conscious of utilizing those exact techniques that I'd learned in school. I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I, I felt like I had sort of all turned into this like acting technique gumbo in my brain and uh, I used what I could. Using what you could, uh, Parker Croft, and we all know that acting for you is as easy as closing your eyes. But in conclusion, what were your biggest human lessons during that time uh, doing acting school? Uh, lessons that you learn um, as a human and not specific specifically connected to acting oh that's a great question um yeah because so it was the first time i was kind of on my own own uh you know i went to boarding school and stuff so I, i i left home for great periods of time but this was the first time where i was like on my own for a couple years and I, a lot of the lessons that I learned were, oh God, there was like a lot of social lessons that I learned. Um, I think that, I think that one of the, one of the big lessons that I learned was like, I, when I was young, when I was like 18, I, I was very, very serious. Um, I took things incredibly seriously and I think that I thought that the more serious I took things, the more successful I would be or something. The idea was that like any form of like distraction or play or anything that wasn't my goal was something that was something that I wanted to like shun or avoid or something. And I I think probably one of the biggest lessons I learned was that, um, you know, you don't, just because you, just because you care doesn't mean you can't have, like, enjoy life. And in fact, in some ways, um, enjoying your life and, and, and enriching yourself in ways that aren't, um, purely goal-driven, um, are, are things that are going to help you achieve your goals in ways that you can't see, if that makes sense. Like you have to, you have to sort of fill up your cup as a person, not just as a person who wants something. At the end of the road, it always comes down to Elliot Carson and specifically the opening scene in uh, Falling Overnight uh, when he's... uh, not taking uh, himself too seriously when it comes to the salad dressing choices. <laughs> yes, that's uh, that's that's a great scene. That's a fantastic scene. Um, yeah, don't take it don't take it too seriously. And 
And it doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that, um, I don't know. I'm sure there's some way to weave what I said into something that makes sense, but um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I am looking forward to see all of the upcoming paper, horse, pictures, productions. Thank you, Parker Hendrick Croft. Thank you very much. I, uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. You are a delight to, uh, to converse with, my man. Um, hope you're having a good one.